Some people like to cook. Others like to entertain. The shrewd ones make millions telling all of us peasants just how perfect our lives would look if only we bought their cookbooks, magazines, and lies. Love them or hate them, these domestic goddesses have elevated what it means to be a working woman, but have also proven that nobody is as perfect as a styled photo shoot. We're going to examine the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of some of the world's most fascinating, quote-unquote, homemakers. Take your head out of the oven, because this episode just may convince you that there is no such thing as perfect, and your love of an air fryer still makes you a gourmet. Make sure to hit that like and follow button, subscribe to us, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, because you never know when another episode or an extra episode of Pretty Corrupt Podcast is going to drop. And if you're so kind to, you can always leave us a kind review. We love it every day. Nice uh, literary reference thrown in there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so let's let's talk dueling domestic goddesses, both like in... Mm-hmm empires and scandals too <laughs> where do we begin i mean i well i think we begin with martha stewart who just opened up her she, restaurant in las vegas this weekend the bedford mm-hmm. and it's Ooh. going to be it's where is it's that caesar's uh the paris well caesar's owns paris so it's yeah yeah paris. it's the caesar's group and it's going to be next to or in the same it's in the same development as lisa vanderpump's new restaurant the right. garden or vanderpump's cocktail garden something like that something like that yeah um but yeah apparently it's across the hall from nobu from what i heard uh, fans is it she yes does she have other? Re- this might be a very stupid question. Does she have other restaurants? I never this, associate her with restaurants. Like this might be restaurant. her first. Okay. I don't believe that she was a restaurateur before this. I don't think she was either. Yeah. It, it, I, it didn't sound familiar. That's why I wasn't sure. Mm. There could be a Stuart file out there who will correct us, but I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. One thing I like about all the women that we're going to talk about today. Um, the one thing that ties them all together, because there's one I do not like at all, but the one thing that ties them all together is that these are all women whose careers took off basically like in the second half of their lives. Like, yes. like three out of the four that we're going to talk about, well, two out of the four, their, their careers took off after 50. And mm-hmm. the other two was around 40. So I think that what I love about that is like these women had had full lives, whether or not their lives were great beforehand or not, but they, it really just does show you that life does not end at 40 or 50 or even 60 because now these women, like Martha Stewart- or 21. Turned, yeah, mm. in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Martha Stewart just turned 81 two weeks ago. She's a Leo like you guys. And she, I mean, I could see that. I could definitely see that in her. um, It would be that, or is Virgo the controlling perfectionist psycho? Yes. But I I also see Leo. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd have to look at her chart. I didn't actually, that's one thing I didn't look at to see what her like rising or moon is. I'm sure she's got like a Virgo or a Capricorn. Capricorns are actually more controlling than Virgos. Mm. I would say. That's my opinion. Um, uh, I know Virgos for the perfectionist. You can't. Yeah. In my head, Martha Stewart's counterpart here in LA, like gift wrapping room, it would be like Candy Spelling, just that kind of psycho intimidating in a good way. I shouldn't keep saying psycho. Yeah, please. Don't. I admire. <laughs> yeah. I admire exacting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. They're very precise, and uh, like I've always wondered, in a gift wrap off, but um. I think she's a Virgo, but I love that Martha's a Leo. And she's been wearing a lot of like muted gold metallics, very lion ass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. Ooh, she actually, ooh, this is interesting. No, she's, it looks like she's a Scorpio rising, which would make sense with like, she's got a slightly vindictive nature about her. (laughs) Yet she also looks passionate too, (laughs) just slightly. And she's got a Sagittarius moon and she actually doesn't, uh, well, her, her North node is in Virgo and her, is that, and her, is that Venus or Mercury? 
This is so exciting. I think it's Venus. And her Venus is in, is in Virgo. So anyway, anyway. Oh, well, it looks like I think her 10th house is... No. Never mind. Mm. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Well, I'm like not going to bore you. They broke the mold when they made her. There's they only sh- one Martha. They cheated. She's yeah. like first name status now. If you yeah. say Martha. Right. First name stat, and normally with one name status, one name status folks, it's an unusual name. To to, to blow up with Mar- just Martha alone is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody can do that with Madonna or Beyonce. Because yeah. like the other two, because we're going to talk about Ina Garten, and we're also going to talk about Nigella Lawson, who both are kind of one name people as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. You say Nigella, you say Ina, you know who those are. Yeah, sure, sure. And with Ina, we'll we'll get to it, but also just sometimes it's confusing to people. They know her as the Barefoot Contessa, Mm -hmm. which was, we'll get into that, but yeah. No, but anyway, so yeah. So Martha Stewart, I mean, I, my, my stepmother adores her, like Mm -hmm. absolutely loves her. And I, and, and in all honesty, I didn't love her until she went to jail. Yeah. yeah, Like she went to jail and then I was like, okay, you're not perfect. I don't have to live. Like, honestly, it really was the pull my head out of it. Like, I don't have to live up to the standard. Like, you're not perfect. You're not amazing. And it humanized her. And then I love the fact that like, she doesn't, well, she doesn't at least admit to smoking weed, but she hangs out with Snoop Dogg. They've got this great like entertainment collaboration. Yeah. I, I would love for her to bake me some, you know, pot brownies or something like that. Like she, she won't. She'll she in interviews. She never admits to smoking weed because they ask all the time because her friendship with Snoop. But she will say she's around when he smokes and she gets a secondhand high. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah. She's, so we know she's come in contact with THC. She just won't admit to intention directly taking it. Well, I imagine a contact high from Snoop is, is strong. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. He, when um, back one of my first years at E, I don't know if do you remember that Snoop had a show on E? Uh, it didn't last very long. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called, but it was, he had a reality show in like the late aughts on me. And he came to one of our Chris, our Christmas party. Cause he was considered one of the talent God, and he was, it. he, he was holed up in like the VIP area of this. It wasn't even a club. It was a venue space, but he made it to VIP and there was just a cloud of smoke. He didn't give a shit. This no, was like, this like Oh seven. So it wasn't like it was legal yet. He didn't give a shit. Yeah. What's there? What is, what is, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. No, I love it. She seems to like, you know, it's like she got older and and stuff. It really is that kind of like, fuck, I'm older. I've got plenty of money now. Like, I don't have to worry about yeah. shit. Let's just like, I can still do my thing, but let's let's have fun with the rest of my life. She's leaned in to, she's found humor in her persona. Mm-hmm. I think the prison thing forced her to kind of... um not relax, because I think she still is very precise and very, I mean, she's the mogul, mm-hmm. but she has fun with it. She leans into what we think of her, and, you know? Uh, well, earlier today, I watched an interview with her from like the mid 90s, or maybe mm-hmm. it was like early 2000s. It was an old uh, Charlie Rose interview with her. And and in it, she said, she's very much of like, I can have it all. And of course, Charlie Rose was talking over her most of the time that she was mm-hmm. trying to answer his questions. But it was, and it was super interesting watching her at like 45, 50, like saying like, I think I can have it all. And then I saw another interview with her more recently, I would say within the past five years of her saying, I realized I couldn't have it all. And mm-hmm. that seems to be, I think, the relaxing there of like, there's a thing of like, we can, as women, like, we can have it all. I'm going to make myself have it all. I'm going to find it. Like, she still talked about balance in the Charlie Rose interview. And in the more recent interview, she talked about finding balance as well. But it was like balance and realizing you can't have it all. You can have mm-hmm. it at one point in your life and then you can have the other stuff at another point in your life. But like, I think that is part of like going, okay, like <laughs> these things, yeah. yes and no. It's like her domestic life hasn't always, I mean, her brand is a perfect domestic life, but her home life, I mean, there was, uh, her divorce was not friendly. I think he was cheating, if I recall. I mean, she has a daughter who they've had their ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, her, and so it's not, she wasn't 
as much as she was selling like domestic perfection, she never really had domestic bliss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. She's she's one of those people that reached that rarefied era where I always just so I always just think of the SNL version of Martha Stewart. I like say yes. we've told we've talked about people recently the same way. Like I feel the same way about um, Celine Dion. Like it, you reach that status for all you think about is in both are. You know, those were both Anna Gaston. Wait, who, Anna Gaston did Martha Stewart. Who did? No, they, they, they she did, did both they of both them. Did they both did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then Maya Rudolph did basically everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, speaking of SNL, like the, the recent thing of like people saying that, uh, oh, Martha Stewart and, you know, Pete Davidson should date and her just going like, he's like the son I never had. <laughs> her answer to that is like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> She's like, whatever, people. <laughs> um, you know what I give Martha credit for? And it really it changed the game for everyone. Her, What I took away from her trial and her prison sentence more than anything, she introduced a lot of people to the Birkin bag, the Hermes really? Birkin. When she showed up to her trial, was it 2004? Somewhere around there. I believe it was 2004. Yep, 2004. And the headlines were she was carrying a Birkin. And at the time, they were only like 15,000, 10, 15,000. No one had ever heard of them, including myself. But it was a headline maker because here was uh, the ice queen, the billionaire ice queen coming into prison or coming into, coming into court. And she was so like, Shameless carrying the most expensive bag in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I did, and like that was a game changer. I mean, now Birkins are standard for reality stars, housewives, etc. But back then it was truly a rare luxury item that only those in the know even knew about. I think I learned about Birkin bags from Gilmore Girls, as anyone should learn. A Birkin bag for Rory. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think I learned about Birkin bags from uh, Sex and the City when mm-hmm. oh, I probably got heard one about from that Lucy too. Lou. Yeah, Lucy Lou got a yeah. Birkin bag. Yeah. But you know what Martha said about it though in an interview a few years ago? She's really glad they focused on the Birkin and didn't realize how expensive everything else she was wearing was too. (laughs) So in addition to like, in some ways, not liking Martha for like a good portion of my life (laughs) until she went to jail. um, The only, the other thing (laughs) was that, you know, when people are like, you're like, oh, I'm funny. Or they're like, oh, you're funny. And then you're like, yeah, I know. And they're like, well, tell me a joke. And then you're like, your mind goes blank. And you're like, mm. you can't remember any jokes. Finally, the only joke I can ever remember is the Martha Stewart joke. It's the only, it's the only joke I ever remember to tell people. And of course, of course it's like a little dirty. So <laughs> I'm going to make Jordan blush. Yeah. Do you right. want to hear my Martha Stewart joke? I do. I'll call my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the joke is, um, how do you make Martha Stewart scream twice? I don't know. You fuck her in the ass, and then you wipe your dick on her curtains. Oh my God. <laughs> You're so ready. Right yeah, and I just, well, just let it sit. Just let it sit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so bad. And I was like, I can't even believe. And it's still the only joke that ever sits in my head. I'm just like, that's such a, it's such a dirty joke. It's so bad, but I can't help myself. I didn't see it going that way. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. That's my Martha Stewart joke. But You're going to prison for that. Yeah. I'm going to prison because I didn't even make it up. I heard it from somewhere else. So at least I, I'm not, I'm not plagiarizing. I'm just... It's somebody's joke. I've heard it. <laughs> Repeat it. <laughs> when I get stuck into a corner, tell me a joke. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Make Martha Stewart scream twice. <laughs> <laughs> what was in her in prison? Didn't she became known for some sort of like knitted poncho? Like when she came out? She made that herself. Yeah, it became like, like a big big came like a big thing. Didn't I remember that? Yeah, like, she left prison. It was they call it Camp Cupcake, I believe. It was in West yeah. Virginia. And she left prison in her hand knitted cat. What's it called? Like a, sh- a poncho. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. boarded her giant <laughs> That's private what Nate jet. Called it. <laughs> 
was like, is it a shawl? Is it a muumuu? Well, ponchos poncho. generally aren't knitted. No, that's... No, they yeah, can't. Anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. Yes, I would say back, I in the, back in the 60s and 70s, they were more n- n- crocheted. I believe it was the, the term crocheted. is crocheted. You're, yes, crocheted. My, sorry. Crocheted, crocheted my poncho. But, well, yeah. apparently she also made a ceramic crash slash nativity scene while she was there at Camp Cupcake in the uh, mm. like ceramics area. And she was able to, apparently like the, the like arts and crafts that you make at Camp Cupcake, you can send home with you. And so it was sent back to her. And then she used that as a mold to make more ceramic ones and sell them on her website. <laughs> she sees business always hustling, and everything. Always hustling. I mean, well, something Ina Garten was talking about was that about when she took she took that year off between basically selling, which we'll talk about selling the Barefoot Contessa and what inspired her to write the, finally the, the cookbooks was that you need sometimes that time off to like really creatively like find out what you're going to do. When you're a type A personality, you can't see your next step while you're in the moment. That's what she you, said. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. So, you know, probably, I mean, I'm sure that Martha was still running her empire from prison, but at the same time, given herself time to just kind of enjoy stuff, you know what I mean? And also be hands-on teaching other people how to do things, which that in itself can be rewarding. I wish there had been an overlap where Teresa Giudice and Martha Stewart were together in the same prison. That would have been glorious, braiding each other's hair. (laughs) I mean, two Jersey girls right there. And that's something about Martha. Um, you know, she she's no longer a billionaire, that but she was the first self-made billionaire female Man, before she, Oprah. Really? When when Omni Media went public, she was the first self-made female billionaire. And she's still mega rich. I just don't yeah. know if it's a billion or half a billion. But uh what I mean by that is she comes from working class, a working mm-hmm. class background, Nutley, New Jersey. Um, her parents, you know, she had to model to get through college and her mother taught her thrift. I think her mother's name was Martha. It was kind of, I think it was big, if I'm correct, it was big Martha and little Martha. Very, very Kathy mm-hmm. <laughs> and Edie. The Kathys and the Edies. Um, and so, but so she really built this on her own. She had a husband who was a, book publisher Mm -hmm. she married well he came from a wealthy wall street family Mm -hmm. but um and and she was a stock trader she worked on wall street mm -hmm. before yeah her her father-in-law had a seat on the stock exchange and she went to work for him she went to like columbia or something she went to barnard barnard which which is the female yeah the The female college at columbia yeah yeah so i mean she but she really did it on her own for the most part. I mean, she's eclipsed anything her her ex could have offered her. Mm-hmm. And that pro- that's probably man. why he cheated on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't know, you know. Threatened by her success mm-hmm. prowess. Was, wasn't her insider trading thing only for like 50 grand? Wasn't it something ridiculous? For, no, $45,000. Yeah, I remember it was something absurdly small for like her what she was dealing with most of the time. Yeah, yeah. So basically, she she sold off $4,000 of uh, I'm clone, M clone mm-hmm. shares. And basically, she avoided a loss of around $45,000. And, oh. but then she got convicted for criminal. So she got, what are they? She got convicted. She was found guilty of conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and lying to federal investigators. Mm-hmm. And she also I don't had- I even think those are crimes anymore. <laughs> did her crime in the wrong time. Yeah. And but she also she also had to pay, you know, besides obviously paying all her lawyers and all that stuff, she had to pay a hundred and ninety-five thousand dollar settle a settlement for a civil case with the SEC for this yep. too. So she yeah. like just grabbed cash out of the car? Was that that was probably in her console, right? <laughs> I'm sure it was back in the barn underneath one of the stables, yes. you know, the horse stables. So yeah. Or maybe it was like in the Peacock House. 
Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to bring up the peacocks. Well, R.I.P. I mean, they were, they, shouldn't they, they die? Just, they just died like recently. 20 of them. Yeah. <gasps> like, not just one or two, like 20 of them. Yeah. And she was very graphic in her details. Like, it was unnecessary. But also, like, she's very just, like, kind of matter-of-fact. Yes. Like, yeah, she was not yeah. sugarcoated. Have we ever seen her show? Okay, she has now, since prison, shown that she's capable of humor. Mm-hmm. But have you ever seen her show outwardly anger or sadness? Anger, I always feel like that was beneath the surface and seething with her. I mean, there's always that. But sad, I mean, she's so composed. She can talk about things like her beloved peacocks being ripped to shreds. What was it, a coyote? Or a, yeah, coyotes, I believe. Yeah. She can I, do a very, uh, what's the word? Like when Dexter. Like just cold. I feel like if you wrong her, she's not going to yell at you to your face. Mm -hmm. She'll just leave. And then you'll go outside and your car's on fire. That's the score. And you you go home and your house was on. Your house is burnt to the ground. I love that. But she wouldn't actually say it to your face. Mm -hmm. That's her Scorpio rising right there. I'm vindictive as fuck. Yeah. Which is great. I love it. (laughs) My Lyft driver yesterday um, decided to hit on me which, you know, is always exciting when you're riding in somebody else's, when a man's car and you realize that he's hitting on you and you don't, there's nowhere to run. Um, And so, of course, then he asked me like when my birthday was and I lied to him and I said it was in November. And he was like, oh, so you're a Scorpio. And and I'm like, yeah, he's like, so you're very passionate. I go, I'm vindictive as fuck. It's the great thing. That's why women should learn all about astrology so that when men that you don't want to talk to try to talk to you and hit on you in uncomfortable situations, you can lie about your birthday and then you know about that time period and then you can talk about all the negative things about that sign. And then give it to him, basically click clue into all that stuff. And that's what I did. I basically, you know, laid into every negative thing about a Scorpio and just was like, I am all of these things. Fuck off, dude. Did he know? <laughs> did he know things? Or was that just like he knows the basics, like creep bar creeper? I think like bar creepers. I mean, look, like astrology is more into the the lexicon nowadays. I mean, you can mm-hmm. just learn stuff all the time. I mean, I've been a student of astrology for like a long time now. It's been like part of my life. I, I'm not just like a fly-by-night, you know, type of person. Anyway, but it's just more of the lexicon. So there's more of those things. So people, I, I felt like he's that type of guy who... He knows some stuff, so he can just, you know, creep on women and talk them up mm. and be like, oh, if, like if I said I was a Pisces, be like, oh, you're so spiritual. You're so, you're so amazing. You're so like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, because the first thing he said about Scorpio was like, oh, you're passionate. And the way he said it was like, not passionate as in like, you know, Italian passionate about like life, but like passionate as in sex. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. That's creepy. Yeah. It's always creepy. I- I'm sure you gave him five stars for friendliness. And it's mm-hmm. him, yeah. Yeah. I know nothing about, like, when you, you were saying earlier about, like, is Virgo, does it mean such and such? I know nothing about the other signs, like, what they mean, what even the cliches that they mean. They mean. And I think that's probably the most Leo thing I could possibly do is just not care about any other signs. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah. brought that yeah. up. Yeah. Because I honestly don't know yeah. anything, yeah. really, about anything other yeah. than Leo's. Because... Oh, you're a Virgo? I don't know what that means. Yeah. I also don't care. I like. <laughs> it's I very kinda... Sagittarius of me to want to know all of these things. <laughs> it's super Sagittarius because, like, we're the, like the teachers, we're like the intellectuals of like wanting to learn this stuff and like travel and like gain all this knowledge and just eat it all up. I, I, last night, I was thinking about. I was listening to Beyonce's Alien Superstar, which is currently the song I'm obsessed with, and I realized she dropped it during Leo season. Of course, as a birthday gift to Leos, it opens with "I'm number one." I'm the only one. You can't compete with me. I was just like, oh, it's like every Leo's inner monologue. Yep. And like, I don't, I don't know anything else. unique. <laughs> See, there you go. Leo's protecting other Leo's right there. <laughs> and see, and see Martha opening up her restaurant during Leo season still. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, I think wow. I feel we we've already talked like twenty minutes about her, and we talked some good stuff. I think we should uh, talk about Ina, who is like a they're spawn friends. of her. They're yeah. friends. They're frenemies. They're mm-hmm. rivals. They've come back together. Um, 
Ina Garten, the Barefoot Contessa, is responsible for like 45% of who I... Now, I don't want to say I'm that good. She's responsible for about a third of my life and personality. I, it's, it's all the parts my that obsession. aren't Bouvier. Let's not tell her about that. It's just, it's a, your pie chart of it's mostly Bouvier, small part I, Ina. All East Hampton. Yeah. All East Hampton, yes, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, she is the other one. She Martha is very Connecticut, but she had a house in East Hampton. And she recently sold it. And that's where she kind of discovered Ina Garten Mm -hmm. at her store, the Barefoot Contessa. And um, you can get her on the... She has like, what, 18 cookbooks now? Something like that? Yeah. Did she she have restaurants? No. She used to have a store. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where the name comes from, the Barefoot Contessa. But um, And the the store was already named... The Barefoot yeah. Contessa. Like, she didn't start... Like, she was talking in one of the interviews that it was kind of... Because you kind of listen to her story and you're like, well, that's like some nice, like, white privilege there. <laughs> like, you were already married. You already had a job. Like, you were, like, around 30. And your husband... Could, like, you both could... You were kind of supported in, like, starting your dreams. And then... Mm-hmm. And you bought a business that was already there. And she... And, and she admits that the train was already out of the station. So... But she took that business and grew it even bigger. Yeah, it was a little shop. Mm-hmm. Um, like it wasn't a. It wasn't like she bought a big, but she grew it. It started in West Hampton, which I don't think is like prime Hamptons, and eventually it became like the store synonymous with Hamptons living. I mean, it was yeah. in Something's Got to Give. It's that yeah. little store where she's talking French, where Diane Keaton's talking French. Like that's the Barefoot Contessa there. I'm obsessed with her. Like, I didn't, I first started watching it in high school, um, her early seasons, and she was so soothing. She's, I tell people she's kind of like um, where Martha, there's an aggressive energy about her, you know, pre-prison Martha. Um, Ina is like a warm blanket in her life that she portrays, that she displays. It's like a culinary Ralph Lauren. It's very preppy, yeah. <laughs> very soothing, very like East Coast. And both of them are Jewish, but their brand's kind of lean waspy. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I'm fascinated by her. That, that was my first imaginary trip to East Hampton. And I'm here because of it. And, and Ina loves herself a drink. She loves, it. She loves some alcohol. Martha, mm-hmm. not so much. Yeah, I mean, they got Sad. in a fight about that. They did. A little, little tiff. No. Thanks to all Reese Witherspoon, all the, all over her. <laughs> yeah, tell us the story about that. I don't. I actually don't know as much it, about that. It you was, two know more about these two women than I do, and I'm, well, like, it I'm was, a female here. <laughs> if the, all the things at the time were like, oh, Martha's throwing so much shade at Ina, and I'm not even. It might have just been a joke between friends, sort of, or just her dr- super dry sense of humor, Martha. But it was just, it was like at the end of last year, it might have been earlier in the pandemic. Reese Witherspoon just posted an Instagram thing about essentially the things that she was doing to cope during the pandemic, like healthier things she was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and Ina just commented on the Instagram saying, I don't, I don't, I'm just paraphrasing. I don't have the thing in front of me, but basically saying like, I don't believe in any of the things. All you need to do is drink more. You just need to make a really big Cosmo. <laughs> and then I guess Martha was asked about it later. And Martha's quote was, I do not agree about taking to drink with, to cope with things like the pandemic. To me, that's just not charming. And that could have just been like a, a fun, like that might, Ina could have read that and been like, ah, that that's funny. You know, I, I don't know if you could just see Martha being so deadpan saying it, that it, hmm. she, maybe she was joking, but it just comes down as like. She almost sounds like a 50s school teacher there. Yeah. Yeah, one should not drink to yeah. cope with the daily stresses. Well, that's that's another thing that the impersonations ruined for me is that I don't I I, I just hear my um Anna Gast there saying it, mm. which is that's exactly how she would say it, like very prim and proper. Like Martha might have a better sense of humor than we think. Yeah, I hope she's now we know she's in on the joke, and Ina too. Now, like with the drink, you know, the famous scene in the pandemic, she was doing these Instagram lives and pouring like 
a Cosmo with like a full bottle of Grey Goose yeah. into it. She like, did that with Seth Meyers. There's that great clip of her with just an enormous. It looked like that that giant uh, bottle of wine that Amy Schumer drank in the skit, the uh, Friday Night Lights skits. It's yep. just enormous. Yeah. <laughs> her uh, something I would love to see Ina crack a little because she's very you know very soothing, like just nerd warmth i can't say enough about my human cashmere blanket but <laughs> her and her husband people love their marriage and their dynamic jeffrey garton he was a professor at yale um big finance guy there but what i think about because they're so sweet together and he's this kind of like little hamish uh he just want to pinch his cheeks, you know. <laughs> he's like a he's like a younger Mel Brooks. He's like a you know what I mean, short Jewish guy. Like, anyways, the point. I'm like, I sound like I'm talking about my grandchild. Anyways, <laughs> the, the point is though, what people don't know or a lot, some, he's he can't be that sweet because he was like the head of Goldman Sachs Tokyo in the '80s. We're talking the Gordon Gecko '80s the head of the most cutthroat investment bank in, at the time, the most cutthroat market. That guy wasn't all sweater vests and like you going to the You don't think a nice bakery. Jewish grandpa could, could, um, could do that? That guy was like straight up Gordon Guck going. I don't know. It's just you couldn't survive and make yeah. it that far. So I like that. I like to think of him like we know him as Ina's sweet, devoted husband. But there are people out there who are like probably terrified of him, have stories of him like throwing pencil holders at their head. I don't know. Oh my God, I want to hear those stories. I know, I'm making them up as I go along. Find us. <laughs> Let's sprinkle some allegedly in this because I still want that. I, I don't still know. Want you kind of invitation. made him sound pretty badass. I don't think it's, it's defamatory. Yeah. Like, you know, like at uh, the end of Wall Street, when Gordon Gecko punches Charlie Sheen. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, that's how I picture. Someone out there has to have a story about that, about Jeffrey Garten. I don't know. We'll get to the bottom of it. Well, you know, but some people are, they're not physically or verbally, you know, uh, they're not physical or verbal sharks. They are just business sharks. So it's just mm -hmm. like shrewdly, like he could just be very shrewd. Like he'll just cut you off at the knees being like, that's not what we do here. And just like, I don't care if you're going to lose your house and your baby and your cars, like boom, done. Like who is a monster, make this, you know, who is a monster. Oh God, this is going to be added to the list of things I've made up all, you know, and I decided Carol Lombard was, yeah, Carol Lombard was killed by Joe Crawford. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I trust my instincts. No one else has to, but they've guided me pretty. And I, you know what? Well, you said that, what, last year? And I, nobody's come out to prove that it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, if you repeat I, your, if you repeat your beliefs enough, they become fact. So. Absolutely. That, that is, there's. Uh, wait, we're off track. We are off track, but it's okay. Well, there's a great- That never happens. It's <laughs> the beauty of, of PCP. Um, there's a great, when I was looking up some stuff, uh, I found on McSweeney's, if you guys know the like the, the mm -hmm. comedy parody site, uh, they have a great one. It's written by Tom. I don't know if it's Smith or Smythe, because he's got a Y in his name, but it's called Excerpts from Ina Garten's Anarchist Cookbook. <laughs> it's all about like <laughs> making your own fertilizer bombs like and making your own Molotov cocktails. But I like the best about the making Molotov cocktail. It says, um, as for a fuel-soaked rag, a monogram silk dinner napkin will do beautifully. Any any excess make make any excess make for gorgeous centerpieces. So as long as you keep them away from the candelabra. Uh, and and best of all, they travel beautifully. I've taken them all the way to Martha Stewart's Westchester estate many a time to set fire <laughs> to her craft room. <laughs> Obviously, just to go back, Ina Garten did not write that. This is a parody. <laughs> and Tom Smythe wrote it, but this is hilarious. I was just like, oh man, just, it was, it's very, it's very Jordan Ross Myers writing <laughs> tweets. Long, this is long form yeah. tweets. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, she's a huge influence on the Lee Radswell account. I mean, 
I'm, I'm obsessed with her. She responded to a tweet once and I was like, I'm surprised you're still alive. I know that was major. The, some of the things she's known for, um, make sure it's good. You know, you know, her phrasing, use good vanilla, um, use, make sure it's good olive oil. And by good, she means the most, like not the most expensive in your store. You have to go to some, <laughs> the most expensive in some specialty store in Montecito that Meryl Streep would shop in in a rom-com with Diane Keaton, like that kind, like her olive oil. Yeah. Um, the other one is if blank, if you can't find, if you can't make blank, store-bought is fine. So it'd be like, if you can't, afford, if you can't afford uh raise your own sturgeon and harvest your caviar, blah, blah, blah. Store-bought is fine. (laughs) And the other thing, since we're talking about scandal, is the time she turned down the Make-A-Wish child. Yeah, tell us about it. I don't know about that. A kid, um, this was a while back, and what, at least 10 years? I don't know. A kid, Make-A-Wish, which is a charity for dying, to fulfill the wishes of dying terminally ill children. His dream was to cook with her. And her. T- she claims it was her team. She will not take responsibility for this. They turned him down. This was his dying wish and they turned him down. And it became such a media thing. Like, like uh, you know, obviously she's evil. She's like, she's a snob, blah, blah, blah. And so she said, you know, it was my team. It was the communication business manager. I'd love to cook with him. Let's send him over. He was like, no, I have a new wish now. I'm going to go like swim with dolphins. Fuck you, Ina. (laughs) It'd be better if he goes, no, I actually really want Martha Stewart. I just thought you were more gettable. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Wow. So that happened. And she's been doing a little damage repair for a while because of that. Mm. I mean, oh my gosh, that's I, that. That's the only scandal she's ever had. If that's her only scandal, then then I I just take that. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I, I mean, it was like crushing the dreams of a dying. Children. I I blame her her PR rep for that because even if she flat out told her publicist, "Tell that kid to fuck off," it's the publicist's job to make sure that does not. Is that yeah. is not how it looks. Mm. So I blame the publicist for that one. Always blame the publicist. Always. Uh, or the lowest, the lowest rung in the poll, even yeah. if it's not a publicist. It's the assistant's assistant doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Jeffrey's assistant. Yeah. Jeffrey's assistant. <laughs> Jeffrey's assistant probably got another one of those pencil holders chucked at their head after that one. Get out of my head. Because we know I've decided now that he does that all that the time. Tear him yeah. to the top. You're, yeah. n- you're never going to get a hug from her now. <laughs> now that you're maligning about, Jeffrey like that. You know, I think about that a lot. Like when I make something, um, I'll think like, is this good enough for Ina? Like if Ina was coming over, could I make this for her? Would it be acceptable? Like, is the answer like ever my, yes? Yeah, no, I learned to cook from her. Oh, I mean, actually, I'm, no, I take that. But you're right. You, you're, I've seen your food posts. Yeah, the, I, I think you're the yeah. you're the most cookie of us all. I'm pretty domestic. Yeah, which is shocking you, to I, a lot of people. You're the most domestic of us all. You really are the domestic goddess of the three of us. What What is the um, the masculine male version of Contessa? Count. count? Oh, count. You were the you were the barefoot count. I actually signed some of my IG posts that when it's food. I mean, I do my whole. She taught me. I used to get stoned. I first discovered her in high school, but our peak re- of our relationship, Ina's and mine, was me in my college apartment getting stoned and watching her show, and then going and getting the ingredients and trying to replicate it, and then feeding like my roommates or whatever. So it's a drugs and drugs and the barefoot contessa got me through college that's all you need you really are like the venn diagram of like her 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 patrons you know what i mean it's like bougie people working class stoners (laughs) meet together as jr she doesn't have children but i'd like to say she can dot me it's always on the it's always on the table You'll do a social media for free, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You dot me, I'll do your social media. <laughs> <for free. laughs> oh, man. 
Well, we do, do we want to move on to our next one, a more scandal-ridden one? Oh, yeah. We'll get to her. Okay, so, honey, we're going to go back down south. We're going to go to Miss Paula Dean. Oh, man, this woman. Throw some yeah, butter she, on she it. She had a scandal? I don't remember that. Mm. She's had so many scandals. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ooh. No, no, it, I don't mean to to cast any dispersions on any, in, anybody in the South, but were you surprised when that scandal happened about her? I was going to say. A woman was, of, of her age and standing from where she, you know, that Savannah, Georgia. When, it, when I heard that that was a scandal, I was like, yeah, that's not surprising. It was so off. Like, it was something you, why did she have to do it? Only because it was exactly the scandal we were waiting for from her. If you could guess where Paula Dean would go down, yeah, it that's would right. be something like that, just because of her demographic. It's it's one of those things where it is not surprising. It is disappointing, but also I still feel in this day and age unexcusable. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. Oh no, absolutely because she's still she is still old enough and like to be then thrown into like. She wanted to become a star. She wanted to be be in the media. Therefore, you have to, you know, accept certain. I think anybody who becomes famous, you don't realize actually really what you're getting into until you're in it. But once Mm -hmm. you're in it, you realize there are sometimes things that you have to change or accept about yourself. You may not like. And, And for somebody from the South and from the deep South, like Savannah, Georgia, like there's some shit that you got to really look at yourself really hard about. And, and she just, she was, um, that's her, per, that, in my opinion, that is a moral failing on her part that she's yeah. unwilling to look at well, herself. The scandal was that she'd said it in the past, not that she said it at that point, right? No, that right. she does say it. Oh, that she oh, says currently? it. On, she says it currently. Like, her, well, well, this was, in, this, the scandal was in 13, I think, wasn't it? Yes. So, yeah, well, but 2013. But this, it was like uh, the way I had heard it was it had come out that, yeah, it was years Here, let me, let before. Me, let me read this. So, okay. So, because like in 2012, there was the, um, the lawsuit brought by the former manager uh, about race, racism and sexual harassment. And during a 2013 deposition, um, they got the, tran- the transcript says, um, but says that um, she basically, so basically, because it was against her and her brother. And one of the things that this ex-manager said that, um, that Paula was involved in her brother Bubba, of course his name is Bubba, his 2007 wedding. Um, Bubba yeah, wedding as an out-and-out out desire to fully recreate an Old South fantasy with um, black tap dancers and all. It didn't use the word black. Um, but the quote here is from the deposition, that she denied all discrimination allegations against her and her brother. But what she did reveal is almost as bad. This is from a 2019 Eater article. <sighs> Where did I miss that? Sorry. She admitted to expressing her hope that her brother would experience a genuine Southern plantation wedding reminiscent of antebellum or postbellum era when Black people waited on white people. She admitted to living in a household where jokes involving the N-word are told constantly and when asked if she yeah and and currently the word are the present tense are told constantly and when asked if she ever used the n-word herself paula responded yes of course ah yeah that's not that's and and i'm that's i don't give a shit that's 2013 nine years i don't give a shit I don't give no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, Anthony Bourdain said it in, in a TV Guide article interview. He said that she was the worst, most dangerous person in America. <laughs> she revels in unholy connections with evil corporations. And she's proud of the fact that her food is fucking bad for her, for you. Plus, her food fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, I, miss that. I miss that, man. Um, so much. Oh, yeah, that's right. Rest in peace, mm-hmm. Anthony Bourdain. Because... So, and she, there's an even bigger scandal that, that there was a woman who worked for her at her restaurants for years and basically was her, I don't, I don't know how far it goes because, because there was a lawsuit settlement 
that came out of everything. So she can only say so much. So mm-hmm. I don't know how many, how much of her recipes, this, this woman's um, name is uh, Dora Charles and Dora Charles. It seems to me what's not being said is that Dora Charles came up with most of these recipes mm. that Paula well, Dean hawked. Well, they do. These people have teams. But there's a difference between having a team of people and having a restaurant and paying somebody only Georgia minimum wage and oh. then creating a million, billions and millions of dollars okay, off of the so back she- of a basically, uh, you know, labor. And she even promised Ms. Charles that that one day I'm going to be rich. I'm going to make you rich. And Paul Dean became rich, but she did not make Ms. Charles rich. Okay, so she wasn't purchasing recipes. No, she wasn't okay, purchasing the recipe. They weren't working done. as a team. Woman- she wasn't getting profit sharing. There was none of that. Oh. She was she was profiting off of the hard work of this other woman, profiting yeah. off of her recipes that are passed down from her family, from her sharecropping family, from her you know you know slave ancestors and everything like that. And look, the fact of the matter is, coming from the South. Southern food is inherently black food, to be honest with you. That's what it is. Yeah. That is what mm-hmm. it is. Like, and as a white person, I go, yeah, like that's what our food is informed by. So to to steal it like that, to claim that 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 your that your grandparents brought it over from Ireland or something like that is bullshit. Like, no, uh-uh. Like you didn't I, learn uh... how to fry like that. <laughs> white people don't learn how to fry like that. I have a fun fact about Paula Deen's demise. Oh, you know I would what love happened. to hear this. That's right. So um, this is from one of her former business partners at the time the scandal went down. Because basically, real quick, because basically when the deposition thing came out, even though she was kind of cleared of like the discrimination charges, when it came out that she says the N-word, all those companies, all of her sponsors left the food network canceled her show everybody left everyone um it was like all her sponsorships because she had an empire at that mm-hmm. point yeah. i mean she was one of the biggest brands um and she was like the southern martha stewart and you know she had restaurants she had like hams like everything mm-hmm. you could imagine but like one by one over the course of like a weekend or a matter of days, every sponsor dropped her. And what one of the sponsors told me um, is that some of them, including him, couldn't wait to get rid of her. The fame had gotten to your head to where she was like, it was almost bordering on like, like psychotic. She was chain smoking, screaming at people like, it had become so much and they didn't want to work with her, but she was so lucrative and selling so much they had to put up with her. And that's why when that uh, racist slur scandal came out, they were like, bye, bitch. One by one, they were like, we're out. Like, we can't deal with you. And now you're racist too. Oh she God. was able to... I mean, she she, she smokes dancing? Virginia Slims, by the way. Which- of course she, of course she does. <laughs> she um she was on Dancing with the Stars after the scandal, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. So I mean, she didn't disappear completely. And then she also had that that, that like was it wasn't a web series, but it was like a streaming series, like Positively Paula. Well, I think what she did is well, I think she that was separate, but she also bought she bought all of her shows from the Food Network. Mm, she bought so she them owns she her own put, library. She owns her own library, and she started her own streaming network. Basically, streaming service to do it. So she owns all of her content and puts out all of her own stuff. And the interesting thing about this Eater article, because it talks some more about some more stuff, because basically, like, yes, corporations left her, but a lot of her like fans did not leave her over Mm -hmm. saying the N word and that admission and everything like that. What they did leave her for, because she's still like, she still has a fan base and she still is making money. She still sells things on, like I think on QVC QVC or or stuff like that. But but what they really got mad at her for was that in 2012, she admitted on the Today Show that she had type two diabetes. And, but then she admitted that she'd been struggling with it for three years and that she kept it, and she kept it quiet because she was like, and people were like, why? She's like, well, I don't want to tell anybody until I had like something to bring to the table. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Oh, what she meant was that she had a partnership with Nova Nordisk for a uh, diabetes drug called Victoza. So it was like this blatant, obvious thing that she's profiting 
off of her diabetes. And like Anthony Bourdain said that she was very dangerous and like she's in with all these corporations. Like she had been feeding people you know, hardcore, like even deep fried, up, yeah. like deep fried butter and cream cheese. Yeah. That should only be had at like the Texas State Fair. Like there is deep fried <laughs> butter at the Texas State Fair. Oh yeah, but it's delicious. It's great. But that's yeah. what you have like once a year. You don't yeah. learn how to make it so that you can make it at every like family barbecue, like July 4th and like Memorial Day and stuff like that. She was teaching people and every time, and I believe in cooking with butter, you know, but she was truly like, Really, she just- was pushing people into diabetes, mm-hmm. and then, and then secretly getting ready to launch a medicine to help with diabetes. Yeah. So she, yeah, she was profiting not only just off of her illness, but the illness that she was helping to like voiced onto people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because she was basically saying saying to people without saying it, like, it's okay to eat this stuff. It's okay to do all this. And then, of course, when she announces, then her son did a did a cookbook of, like, basically trying to change all her recipes into healthy ones and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it's like... He had a show. Bob, what are her sons? Bobby. Bobby and there are two. I don't know. Owen. Bobby oh, and Dean. Jimmy? No, Dean's the last name. It's Jimmy. it's Jimmy, isn't it? Well, Jimmy was her husband. I know. I think one of the kids is named Jimmy. Jimmy too. Jr. I was just like, no, because oh, her Dean. husband, her husband is yeah, the Jimmy father. Dean, yeah. Jimmy Dean sausage. <laughs> Jimmy Dean. But um, yes, yeah, so it would be like with this podcast, me um pushing cigarettes on all of you and then going quiet for a little bit and then <laughs> Guess what, guys? I'm the spokesperson for Chantix. Yep. <laughs> or more like, hey, I've got lung cancer, but I'm I'm the sponsor of this great lung cancer drug. <laughs> like, yeah. it's called chemotherapy. Perfect <laughs> coincidence. When you when you talked about um, Paula, the your t- Paula being the smoker who's you know just insufferable, and they were looking for a way to get rid of her. We've been doing that for you for a while. We're just waiting for the scandal that's just going to get you out of here. Yeah. But, but for the time being, you're far too lucrative for us to do anything. So it's absolutely true. You're the Paula. You're the, so what I'm saying is you're the Paula Dean of this group. You're I'm the Ina. I'm currently wearing right now. I'm currently wearing, you guys can't see it, uh, baby yellow Ralph Lauren. Um, I live in, I'm, a, I'm a Jew living in a very waspy delusion. I cook. I'm really trying to tell you guys that I'm Ina. I don't want to be Paula, but I know the scandals will come one day. I mean, Just not for her reasons, though. Mine will be like giving babies cigarettes or something. <laughs> well, you've yeah. successfully avoided giving your, you know, your niece and nephew cigarettes, I yeah. think. Right? Yeah. Okay. Although sometimes I do text like my sister. I forget, do they like menthol or is it like reds? <laughs> <laughs> Crushes. <laughs> I used to love those. I can't believe they. Of course took you care. did. Of course you did. Those were my gateway treat. <laughs> the best of both worlds. Well, lastly, I think we should talk about like the domestic goddess herself because she she wrote a book called The Domestic Goddess, which is Nigella Lawson. She's the only one who's not American. Right. She's, she's freaking British. gorgeous, and she was christened the Queen of Food Porn. I mean, yeah. The way she speaks and describes the accent, the accent food. goes along. Yeah, yeah. It's very it. like she speaks like Elizabeth Hurley. Kind of. It's in uh, what's that movie? Elizabeth Hurley. But what's that movie? Um, she's in Bedazzled. Bedazzled. She's this devil. Yeah. Yeah, it's that like. It's, it's, it's not the way that she. I mean, she talks great, but she has that seductive look. She's got that little yeah. like glint in her eye. She kind of looks at you but from the side, and she's got these huge. I mean. When you talk about like, pretty. I would like when I get jealous of like the way people look. Like I would love to look like Nigella Lawson. I would love to have dark, like raven dark hair and huge big eyes with like you know long dark eyelashes and everything like that. And she's so curvy and it's just like oh my gosh, she's got this tiny little waist and she loves to eat. Like she like truly makes eating okay. And she even said like that women women were were basically told how to like make the food, but not that, and told that we were supposed to make the food and present the food, but not told that we were allowed to consume the food. And Mm. she was like, I'm taking that back. Like we're allowed to eat it. We're allowed to make it. We're allowed to eat it. We're allowed to enjoy it. That's what we need to do. Yeah. But yeah, she comes from a posh upbringing. Her mother was um, from like a, a really 
famous socialite family, like millionaires. Yeah. Like aristocratic. Yeah. And then her father was Margaret Thatcher's right hand man during uh during her he was the the uh, Chancellor Exchequer's. I don't know what that means, but apparently that, that sounds fancy. It sounds I know that fancy. term because that was a position that Princess Diana's father held when she was growing up. I have no idea what it means. All I know is that that's extremely prestigious, whatever it is. Whatever it is, you're very, it's like a job, if I understand, that's given out to people very close to the royal family, people with standing. So but no, but it's, you're not but elected it, to that position. It is some. But at the same time, I believe it's still like, it's still a, a government position that's like... Yeah, but it's a prestige one. Like, um, yeah, I know like um, Princess Diana's father was the Earl Spencer. Okay, um, the Chancellor of the Exchequer is the government's chief financial minister, mm -hmm. is responsible for raising revenue through taxation or borrowing. Um, So he had, so that, um, let's see. How do you get it? Oh, yeah. Um, It's a high-ranking cabinet member. It's basically third in the ministerial rankings. Well, that would make sense if he's in charge of the pocketbook that he was like Margaret Thatcher's right-hand man since she had Mm -hmm. an iron grip on that pocketbook (laughs) written in the 80s. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you know, another fun fact. about Nigella, we talked about Martha kind of discovered Ina, but Ina for years had been offered food shows and she was very hesitant, uncomfortable with it. And then finally, someone, a friend in England sent her Nigella's show and said, what if we get her producers to do your show? And she agreed. It was that style she wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's been her producer ever since? Was one of Yeah, the, they share a producer. producer. And they're both very, probably representative of the same. Mm-hmm. Nigella is probably England's Ina. And in America, she's probably America's... Ina's probably America's Nigella. Same style uh, of show. And definitely sexual appeal. That's, oh, you, yeah, you yeah. forgot to mention how hot yeah. Ina is. Like, <laughs> Ina's a three-time uh, sexiest sexiest chef in the world. They're both know. sexy Jewish women who cook. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. But yeah, but and Nigella's yeah. her first husband tragically died of mm. of uh, oral throat and throat cancer, and she lost her mother to cancer, liver cancer, and she lost her sister, younger sister, to breast cancer. So she lost like the three closest people to her to cancer, mm. and um, and then her second husband, uh, Charles Saatchi, him and his brother created Saatchi and Saatchi, the international advertising company that's still around. They were forced out in 1995, which is good. And But there's a, a famous picture of her being um, choked at a restaurant yeah. by Charles Saatchi. He claimed he was joking around. He claimed he was joking around and then that she basically had a booger in her nose and then he was picking it. And it was like, no, dude. That seems like a what perfectly good reason to me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I remember now he's with that. Trini Woodall who is a British, like uh, a famous British stylist and like kind of like make he kind of, it's interesting. It's like, he likes beautiful, successful women. And the thing is, is that he started dating Nigella six months after her husband died and they were already friends. Like they already knew each other. And Trini, Trini's husband died. And shortly afterwards, he started, Charles Saatchi started dating her. He seems to enjoy um, picking up women who are in the I'm middle crazy. of, who are grieving, like strong, strong, beautiful, um, smart, business savvy women, and freshly coming women. into their, oh, freshly coming into their widow estates. There. Well, no, he's get, a he's like a he's like a billionaire. Like he's he's a billionaire. Yeah. Like he's an art dealer and everything. He's got yeah. tons of money. It's about control. Mm-hmm. Like when they're when they were going through their divorce Vulnerable. and then when they were when they were suing or I think he was suing former nanny and a former personal assistant who were yeah. sisters um, yeah. for stealing basically a million dollars from them. Uh, 
it came out a lot about their about Nigella and Charles's marriage that was like really really bad. Wasn't part of it? Is this where her scandal kicks in yeah. though? Besides yeah. the picture, this. Her scandal is what will probably make her our favorite of the evening. Yes, I sure, I sure am. Yeah. <laughs> I believe she, I be, she admitted to doing coke, right? Like yeah, a I think it, or something. Yeah, I think in the deposition it came up that it, as part of their defense, the women that were being sued, I guess, um, they said that they had permission to use their card, their credit card, basically by way of blackmail like they were allowed to use the card as long as they didn't mention her drug use mm-hmm. so so she kind of just had to come out and admit to it yeah but she says that she only used cocaine like around half a dozen times and it was around her husband her first husband's death or like mm-hmm. diagnosis and then death and then also during a few times during her marriage and then divorce from her second husband. She shouldn't have to make excuses. Well, in her, <laughs> it's okay, baby girl. Yeah. So she well, says it's just a few times, but then, but then uh, they said it was like, like almost constantly for like ten years, and I was kind of like, I don't think she would look that good if it was constantly for ten years. Right. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I know the look. Yeah. She Not never had from coke experience. Blood. She yeah she she wouldn't look that way. She always looks radiant. I found this very relatable. Her quote when when asked about the drug use, she said, I found it made an intolerable situation tolerable. Ain't that the truth? Preach. Pre- preach, girl. Preach. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but there, Jordan, you you say her, you she's your favorite in that sense, but did you know her thoughts on leaving her money to her kids? She's not going to leave any of her money to her kids. And her her quote on that was, I'm determined that my children should have no financial security. It ruins people not having to earn their own money. As soon as I read that, I was like, nope, she is dead to Jordan. Back back over to East Hampton. The cocaine makes her fun. That part, no fun. God, that's horrible. She must have a ton besides her empire. When she she made that quote was back in 2018. And at that time, her net worth was about 15 million pounds. So it's about $25 million, something like that. But that, and so I don't know what it is now, but you know, that's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Who's she going to leave it to? uh, Coke dealer? You, me. I know, me. (laughs) Us. Yes. <laughs> her new favorite pals. Yeah. <laughs> Who don't look down on her for her like occasional drug use during I wish I, mecha- yeah, I wish we had been her advisors at that time. But like, don't apologize. Mm. In fact, do some on camera. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. do a thing. line off the stand, just yeah. <laughs> there. Yeah. Don't apologize for that. I'd imagine it. I wonder if. I'd love to p- get a picture of Martha Stewart at Studio 54. She was oh, in she, New York. She'd probably there. be helping like the barbacks clean the bar. Like she would be no fun at all. She'd be like, that's not how you make a, a mojito. This is how you make a mojito. <laughs> yeah. I would. Yeah. I'll bring some fresh mint. I'll bring some from my home yeah. in Connecticut. Meanwhile, Ina and Nigella are in the bathroom stall together. That's the those are the fun ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ina, I'd love to. I don't know. Actually, what am I talking about? At fifty four, you'd have to be in bathroom stall. <laughs> Nobody cared. You'd do that shit off the dance floor. Nobody gave a shit. You'd have done it off of Jeffrey. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Which, by the way, him as like head of Goldman Sachs, Tokyo eighties, not so. Not going to rule out that he doesn't know his way around it, but that's another story because Ina, Martha, <laughs> that's another all very fantasy rich. of yours. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's not a story. Well, it's a bedtime story, it's like a Grimm's fairy tale for you. I'm trailing it off, I'm trailing it off like food for thought, but yeah. trying to sprinkle seeds of chaos all over. But there's a pretty good chance that maybe you haven't heard anybody come out with these stories against Jeffrey, it's because they're all dead. Mm-hmm. They're all buried beneath the barefoot contessa. He was store. in the military at one yeah. point. I mean, like he was like a, not a general, but a point always he was an officer. Vietnam. That guy has skills. He could kill me. Probably I imagine will yeah. kill you now. Yeah. As soon as this gets released. Oh, finally, it's going to happen, Nate. We're finally going to be free. We're going to get it all. <laughs> Sweet relief. Sweet relief. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we were hoping the cigarettes. It was, honestly, the long con was waiting for the cigarettes to do it. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna take way too long. Cigarettes are just seasoning my voice for you guys. Like we went with cabaret. I smoke so that I could like, I don't know if you guys wake up to this or fall asleep to my sweet deep. It is a soothing voice. It's a soothing voice. (laughs) Sweet nasally valley voice. (laughs) Raspy nasally valley voice. Although me and my all my likes, I can't even like sometimes when I listen back to this, I was like, how many likes can I put into things? Man, <laughs> swear to God. It's a drinking game. It's fun. It's fun. It and you guys can tell them I I text like I speak, which oh, is yeah, so yeah. No, stupid. No, this, oh, this is not a an on-screen persona. This this is unless he's unless this persona is also to fake fake to us, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, I speak the I text the way I speak. Oh yeah. My emails are different, but my texts are like trailing off. Like literally dot oh. dot dot. So like oh yeah. Th- I, I mean, mean don't we- worry. Our 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 texts are gonna get they're gonna be in court evidence at some point. So they'll be <laughs> they'll be read. Don't worry. But the thing is, is that they'll never hear your voice really in it because I mean we do we only talk to each other once maybe twice a week when we're recording but your voice is always in my head yeah well don't forget the 50 audio messages a day so oh that's true once he learned how to voice text oh god the worst Uh, day of my life was the day jordan (laughs) learned audio messages because now i wake up it's i used to wake up with about 80 messages text messages now it's 50 audio messages which are a lot longer than a text message and the sad part is I probably recorded each of them five times. I'd be like, yeah, so this bitch over here. Wait, no. I can even okay, hear so- you pacing as you're talking. <laughs> like you're, I can hear you doing the footsteps like around a parking lot. <laughs> I, 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 I actually find them delightful. I'm not really complaining. Mm-hmm. They're great. Actually makes it easier sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of making oh, it absolutely. easier. We're going to say goodbye because it's time for us mm-hmm. to leave. Time to go create our own scandals. And, you know, next time when we do part two of this, we, we didn't even get to Julia Child and how she, uh, as a spy during World War II, invented shark repellent. But that's a story for another day. Mm. She really did that. That's true. I'm not making that up. She invented uh, shark repellent for the for, as a spy. He buried the lead and now we have to bury it We all. weren't talking about Jerry, Julia Child. No, we'll talk about her another time, definitely. For sure. All right. So... We'll talk about Julia Child another time. But in the meantime, make sure you go on there and rate PCP five stars on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe to us, tell your friends about us. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Pretty Corrupt Podcast and on Twitter at Pretty Corrupt Number One. We'll be here next Tuesday. And make sure you subscribe to us because you never know we're going to drop a Bravo report. Could be this week. Could be next week. I don't know. Just depends on what happens in Bravo World. So, all right, to take us out, how about we let Nate do it? Ciao.